0: Another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Mark Kirchneres, and today I've got, you know, games to talk about. Whatnot. I don't know. It's been a week. I'm a bit out of it. I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. But we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna have a good time. I I tried getting uh, I well, I didn't try getting a Fitbit. I did get the Fitbit, the Lux in particular. But I figured, you know, I could probably use something like this to monitor my heart and other things because I've been feeling real iffy for a while now. And I just thought, hey, it could be beneficial health-wise for me to have something like this. But uh, I got it in, and immediately thought, woo! This feels nice and easy to forget is on my wrist because of its slim design. I like this. And number two, I went poo-poo. No. Uh, The second impression I had was, okay, now it's time to set up a new Fitbit account because I deleted my old one. Oh, the site's down. Can't do anything. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Great first start. Eventually, hours later, it, it became up again, like my, my, my ding dong. <laughs> we're, 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 we're fucking grasping as straws, as people here. But when I was finally able to use the device for a little bit, I immediately was frustrated with how unresponsive the screen is. You need to tap it vigorously with An excessive amount of force in order to guarantee a screen wake up. I am not one who likes the auto turn on thing when you rotate it or whatever. Don't want that on. I don't want the auto wake up. I think it's called something like that. You have auto wake up and manual wake up. Give me the manual. Except in the manual, it doesn't say anything about how forceful you have to press the damn thing. You have to beat the shit out of it. I feel like I'm in an abusive relationship and I'm the abuser. And the Fitbit is just getting slapped around because that's the only way it'll give me its attention. So you could say the, the, the Fitbit is asking for it because it won't respond unless I beat the crap out of it. And I don't like that. It is not fun. It wasn't enjoyable, it's was frustrating. And I immediately packed it back up and returned it, and I'm just done with Fitbit and fitness trackers uh, of all kinds the only one I've ever liked was the Garmin Instinct yeah I didn't have the Garmin Instinct 2 because there was no 2 back then but I really really like that device a whole hell of a lot it's super comfortable great battery life and if I ever got another device of that ilk it would be the Instinct 2 Solar but that shit is expensive so I'm never going to get one because I can't justify spending that amount of money on a device like that, even though it is very comfortable. I think at least the instinct is super stylish, and the solar makes it seem like what I've read. You would never really have to recharge it ever again to take it off and charge it overnight or anything like that. It would be able to hold its its own pretty well which is one of the things that's always been an issue with wearables i I don't like having to recharge my shit i have a a regular watch that has a that is powered by solar and i haven't had to change the battery or anything that it's it's still got a pretty decent uh charge itself (sighs) yeah nothing else really is a report i have been dabbling with streaming here and there uh, mostly on youtube and i really i really wish that youtube was better with streaming and all that jazz because there are a lot of nice a lot of nice things about streaming on youtube the fact that everyone regardless of size regardless of affiliate a partner or any of that jazz, every viewer has access to video quality options right from the start. That's great. Two, you're not forced to shove ads down viewers' faces if you want to, for instance, on Twitch, become uh, an affiliate or a partner. And why would you want to do that? One, you get... If you're a partner, you always get the video quality options on Twitch. If you're an affiliate... You're higher up the food chain than just the normies. But you also have access to various user engagement type of functionalities and channel points and stuff that can encourage viewer interactions and even them just sticking around. But then they are forced to deal with ads if they don't sub to you or aren't a Turbo member. So, it's a a thing you should only do, not the second you're able to, because you only need to have 50 followers and average 3 concurrent viewers during your streams in order to apply. And it's not really applying, it's just the minimum things you need and you will get affiliate status because it doesn't really matter to Twitch. I think those minimums are way too low because no one who has that low of... Numbers should even consider it because becoming an affiliate, while it feels nice, it allows you to get subs and potentially make a little bit of money. You are going to hurt your growth potential by having to use ads. It's not something you can opt out of. So, a lot of people will be shown ads when they first pop into your stream. And if you're a nobody, why are they going to stick around? They're going to wait and sit through 30 seconds of ads just to see if they maybe like this person they've never heard of who only has 50 followers and has two people watching them right now, three people watching them right now. Why do it? And so that's frustrating on Twitch. But back to YouTube, another thing that's... You know, like I, I like having those options. I like being able to make it a more pleasant experience and a more accessible experience for the viewer. However, I think there are more disconnects I experience while streaming to YouTube than to Twitch. And then it seems like it is way easier for a viewer to unknowingly fall behind in a stream or either the stream itself to gradually lag over time so that they're not or so that the the delay or whatever you want to call it is larger and larger because I, I noticed that when I streamed to YouTube, the chat interactions, the delay between them asking something or responding to something I say, etc., it grows more and more seemingly because their delay is growing more and more. And it could just be that they are unknowingly not watching it live anymore, or it could just be that on the back end of YouTube's servers and everything, that the delay while I set it to ultra-low latency, it does grow gradually over time. I'm I'm not sure. And of course the discoverability on YouTube is dog shit. It is horrible. Finding live streams for even people who are known, if you want to find A Dr. Disrespect live stream, for instance. You already have to be a follower, basically, to know he's doing it. If you want to find that organically, good luck. Good luck finding any streams organically. The only way to really kind of... But even even if you search for something, there aren't... It's just... It's a fucking annoying mess. I think... If they really wanted to take a stab at getting a good chunk of the market, they could, but there doesn't seem to be that desire. Having a few streamers, a few big time streamers moving to YouTube doesn't do anything to make your platform anything. It, it's just okay. These big these big people now streaming on your platform. And they already have the audiences that would garner the viewership. And yeah, bit bit disappointing. I wish Twitch wasn't just the default choice that... Yeah, like it, it, they all suck. In terms of just trying to build an audience, Twitch would seemingly be better, even though I think when you Google it and look up posts and youtube videos of course youtube is people would say that if you're new if you're jumping into it now youtube is the way to go but in my experience they both equally suck and i I wouldn't be able to say which is better in terms of discoverability however i'd probably say I, i have experienced more random people showing up in twitch versus youtube the quality of the randoms randoms in general are the bane of my existence because so often they'll come in they'll say hi maybe they'll say something else I'll respond think maybe we'll have a discourse maybe we'll have a little conversation this this should be good I will win them over and turn them into a follower but they've already left just like what? the one thing that YouTube doesn't have that Twitch does have is people following you and I think it's just because they get some weird kick out of seeing, hopefully, if they had this set up, the notification that says, oh, you you've you follow this person, and potentially the streamer saying, thank you, thank you for following me, oh my god, I've I got no followers, thank you so much, only to immediately unfollow them, and I don't get that. Why are you doing that? What are you getting out of that, you fucking weird, weird, weird person? That's enough about that. Let's just get on to what I've been playing, because what I've been watching is not exciting. And we're going to start with Gunfire Reborn. Holy shit, I fucking love this game. It is a first-person roguelite where you play as a cat. There are other animals to unlock over time, and this is one of the issues I have with the game, but I'll get to my issues after I talk about how much I really, really like this game. The way it's structured is that you have... A handful of worlds I haven't beaten it yet I played it for four or five hours maybe a little bit more it's a really great bite-size pick up and play game where runs will take you probably on average 20 to 30 minutes if you get a complete run from start to finish that could hit an hour but you're going through these small levels of connected rooms, uh, whether it's indoors or outdoors, they're, they're essentially rooms. And each level is broken up into probably around four to five rooms. Waves of enemies will come in. Sometimes a room will just have its its uh, hole. <laughs> it, it'll just have a a standard number of enemies, and, and they won't respawn. No no waves. But you go around, you kill the enemies, get some coins, get some currency that you use for improving your base stats that work across all of the classes, all of the characters that you can play as, or character-specific upgrades, which are limited to four per character. So it's mainly you building your overall stats for all your characters. But... You just go around in these levels, killing the enemies, collecting weapons that will have various attributes to them. They could have lightning damage, fire damage. They may provide you with better accuracy. And and some of them are just... uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm realizing now that I'm just like, I don't know how to talk about anything right now. I'm just so... Blasley. the thing about Gunfire Reborn is that when I'm playing it, I'm enjoying the hell out of it when I'm not playing it, I'm thinking about playing it and I'm wanting to play it it is so much fun, it has up to 4 player co-op, but you can't play it solo and when you play it solo, it does when you pause the game, that is it actually pauses the game it doesn't keep playing, so it's good for people who need pauses in their game, which I, I really like but the thing that Makes the game work at its core is that as a shooter, it feels really, really good. The controls are super tight and really satisfying. There's generous aim assist and and, and general uh, generous. Basically, if you if you line up your shots well enough, you're probably going to hit, and it, it, it's super satisfying. And then the weapons themselves. There's a good variety to them and plenty for various types of play styles whether you want to be attacking your enemies from afar or close up. there are a handful of melee weapons. I do wish you just had a melee attack in general just you know using the butt of your gun or a punch or something so that when you are up on enemies, You aren't still forced to be using your gun. It just feels a little weird. But the loop of the game, going on these runs, trying to make it as far as you can, going through five levels or so per world, the fifth level being a boss fight, sometimes after you complete an area, the boss fight could turn into this giant golem fight. It's just really, really satisfying and the feedback on the guns feels great it's got somewhat of a blocky-ish aesthetic it looks really good And, and it's just it feel it feels so good that's the thing it is one of the most it's surprising how how good it feels i wasn't expecting given that there are all these systems in play that is doing the whole roguelite thing I wasn't expecting it to feel as good as it does if it was just a regular game a regular shooter with a full campaign i'd have a blast with it it's it's outside of turbo overkill the most fun i've had with a shooter this year and i think for me who, who likes shooters a lot there's plenty there to satisfy me but i think I haven't tried it yet. I would like to play it with my dad and give it a go. I think there's the potential for it to be a really inviting game too as well. I wish it had local co-op. Not that I need it for, for my case. But it would have been nice to have. And I really like the assortment of weapons. I prefer this three burst rifle. Because uh, with that gun in particular, because every every gun also has its specific, always going to have these particular attributes. So that three burst rifle, if you hit the third shot, it'll that that third shot will always be a critical attack, which is nice. It's satisfying when those hit. You have a submachine gun that you can throw and use as an explosive. It'll, it'll make the rest of the clip gone. So it could be very you you could waste a lot of ammo with that gun. I was using that gun and fucking <laughs> went through ammo like crazy. There's a submachine gun that instead of reloading manually, it'll just reload itself when you stop firing it. This uh, I think the sniper rifles are probably the weakest in the game. the 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 thing I like about the game, or uh, the things that frustrate frustrate me about the game, one. I don't like that while most of the enemies are fun to fight off against, you have ones who will charge after you, ones who will throw grenades at you, uh, shoot you from a distance. Every single area has... I think it's just one. Maybe, Maybe... Every single area has at least one and maybe just one enemy type who is a sniper class or lack of a better term and while their ability to shoot you from a distance it's not a problem the fact that their projectiles are all homing projectiles that's the problem and they become incredibly annoying because there will be instances where enemies are spawning all around you and you're surrounded and if you're not paying close enough attention if you're not making sure that none of those enemies are there you could easily lose a run die in seconds because you didn't take cover you didn't find a way to avoid those bolts and they just all homed in on you and destroyed you in the matter of seconds because you have a health bar and a, a shield and the shield will regenerate itself the health doesn't you have to eat What looks like rice or whatever the hell it's called. Um, Rice balls. And that's just an annoying element of the game. And then there was something else that I. (laughs) My mind is fucking dead right now. All right, whatever. Gunfire Reborn. I love it. I don't want to. I, I clearly am unable to talk about it, but I love it and I just want to play it and I'm going to play it as soon as I stop. Recording this dumbass podcast. Let's just end this already. The other game I played... I mean, I've played plenty of other games. But next thing I want to talk about is Somerville. You've probably heard about this. It's from some of the people who did Inside and Limbo. I can't remember if it was a really dramatic breakup or whatever. But that team split off and you had... Some of them working on this game, Somerville, and then others working on a game that was shown at one of the more recent Xbox conferences that was like a platformer where you were a bug or something. I don't remember, but it did not look like a game I would expect from them. And this instead, Somerville, is very much so a limbo inside like, but in a 3D space as opposed to on a 2D plane. The setup of the game is you're the small family living uh, in a rural area. You fell asleep watching TV. You first take control of the kid, little baby, little toddler, who walks all fan. Fucking he walks super fucking weird. I did not like that. But you explore your your home, get in a grasp of how things work. Because there's no real tutorial on the game. It's kind of just throwing you in the deep end. And expecting you to figure things out on your own. It's pretty simple. There aren't a lot of mechanics to it. But there, there is an obtuse aspect to everything. It looks great. I love the aesthetic. It looks really, really good. The setup of the story is... An alien invasion. Very War of the Worlds-esque. And... they start invading the world. And it's happening around your ranch and seemingly to your knowledge, all across the country. You then take control after a little bit of the opening bit with the kid. You're taking as the invasion starts happening. You take control of the father, who is a tall skinny man with a beard and very, very hipster-like. But I thought it looked pretty cool and you, you go around your home trying to escape getting some uh, supplies and whatnot. but of course it doesn't go according to plan and you get knocked out and so your family leaves and presumably the story is you trying to find your family I, I played about an hour of it maybe a little bit more And the thing is I don't like it (laughs) that's the thing I didn't really have many technical issues I did play it after it got its most recent patch so I don't know what that fixed. I know it fixed some audio issues but I don't know if it fixed people have talked about some performance issues that I did not feel like I experienced playing on the Xbox Series X however in terms of gameplay design the puzzles are all super simple so far They don't require a lot of thought. Just a hair amount of tedium. Because you got... I don't even remember if it showed how this happened in the intro bit. But you got some shit. Some alien crap going on with your arm. And it allows you to supercharge lights, essentially. And you use this to destroy this alien substance which is very symbiotic but more blocky in nature and it's a really cool effect it looks really really cool but every puzzle just involves okay find a light source and a power source and turn the light on or do this and get this alien shit this alien goop out of your fucking way. And that's all you have to do. There are these alien balls that are sometimes there. And they are drawn to the alien goop. So maybe they're not aliens. I don't know. But they'll they'll clean up the goop when they see it. They're just, oh my god, I gotta fucking clean this shit up. So in some cases, you'll have to use goop to lure them to another area. So that they'll clean up other bits of goop. But it's just about going around fucking shining light on goop at least the first hour. What I don't like about the game, the, there are a few instances where you have to avoid big bright lights of the big ships because if they catch you, they'll... What is it called? What is it called? Tractor beam you? They'll beam you up, Scotty. What I don't like about the game is that it is so slowly paced. Literally in that you have no control over how fast your character moves. They can run jog or walk and it's all dependent on where you are and the situation and the game deciding okay we're going to let you walk or we're going to let you run here or jog in this area but you have no control over that also you have a dog whatever I tried to leave the dog behind once and it still showed up so I couldn't fucking ditch that thing but uh, it's cute I, uh, I guess but it was also at one point really whining a bunch and I just wanted it to shut up what frustrated me and made me immediately say okay I've had enough of this game was a situation where I had to do some things and I had to get from this area to another area before the light would see me. And maybe wanted me to take a very specific path. But I know that if I was allowed to run I would be able to make it from where I was to this other area before the alien turned around and Shown its light in that area, but I was unable to run. It wouldn't let me because the game fucking has control over that control. And then I was like, "Fuck this game," and that's my experience with Somerville. Then Horse Club Adventures Two, Hazelwood Stories, is a game that uh, you're probably saying, "Why why are you playing this game? This game looks like it's for little girls." I don't discriminate, and if you're a little girl. I think you'd like this. And if you're a little girl, I think you'd be able to ignore the fact that there is some weird frame pacing thing going on or something. I do not have the technical vocabulary to say what exactly is wrong with the performance in this game. But it feels weird. Like there are missing frames or something that is making the image constantly rough. It just feels a bit herky-jerky. And it's unfortunate because I think there is something there. And again, the audience for this game probably won't care. They probably won't notice. But I couldn't get past that. And it's unfortunate because I think there could be fun here in this open-worldly ranch, horse ranchy game. Because it looks really, really good. It's not, it's not going to win any awards or anything of that nature. But it's full of color. Full of fall colors in particular. And they pop out very well. Especially when you're in forested areas and get to see all the fall leaves. It looks really, really great. And like a world I want to be in. And want to just chill in. The world is bigger than I was expecting. And the the, the character... It seems like a really nice, cozy, chill game that... I of course am not the audience for but I could enjoy if the performance was just better if it was consistent I mean it is consistent it's just consistently bad there's some pop in here there as well but overall that wasn't a problem it's just it it was very unpleasant to play the entire time because of the weird things going on with the Frame rate, so that that's unfortunate. An asterisk and obelix, the Ram from Hibernia, is an action adventure em up type game where you play as asterisk and obelix. Uh, you've probably seen plenty of their games. Some Norsey Viking-looking dudes. One's a big old chubster. One's a tiny little tot. And I played through the first area with my dad, which did not take long, and that was apparently 15% of the game, so I don't don't think it's a super long game, but it's pretty boring. The combat doesn't feel good at all, at least in the first area. uh, Most of the enemies, they look very similar to, I don't know which is which, but the little good dude. And my dad kept beating the shit out of me. (laughs) He kept fucking punching me. And it was not funny. He had a fucking ball. But you know who didn't? Me. Because he kept putting the ball of his fist in my face. In real life. In the game, we were fine. Eh, I'm just kidding. My dad loves me. He wouldn't hit me. He's never hit me. But... um, The gameplay is just going around and punching fools. You'll have occasional puzzles where you have to dash across paths where the little dude has to dash onto a platform that the heavy dude would fall on because he's just too fat and then they have to go around and push a switch that'll open up a path for the big dude or go and push a box down so that the big dude will be able to dash across the space and that is okay i was able to get my dad to get a grasp of that which was a concern at first anytime there's maybe a puzzle thing we're gonna have to get him to do something very specific there's no jumping in the game which i wish to, i wish the game maybe focused on the combat just the combat making it feel super satisfying, making it more of a gauntlet-like, and didn't involve these puzzles that aren't satisfying. They just kill the pacing. Because every time you have to do one, you're just like, oh, God. And they and they are involved enough that I think, if you're playing with a, a super young kid or an elderly person, that it might be a bit frustrating for them initially. Because the dash is is weird. It's weird. But yeah, we played through the first area. Neither of us particularly enjoyed it all that much. And we haven't gone back since. We might go back because it doesn't seem to be long. But it wasn't doing anything to make us want to keep playing. It is apparently, from what I read, the first Astros and Obelix games to have local cult. That's nice. That's a nice thing to have. Up to four players. I don't know, since you can only pick between the two. I would assume then that you would have two big boys and two little boys. But maybe there are additional characters you can only play as if you're playing with three or four other people. But uh, I, I wouldn't recommend the game. Then make Pixel 3. This is a weird-ass game. This is a game, I I think I played the original, but I don't really remember it all that much. And the way this works is that it's like a classic point-and-click adventure with the pixel art style of those 90s point-and-click adventures, games or whatever. And instead of it being structured very traditionally, It's more like a WarioWare game or something where you have these very short scenes asking you to figure out how to solve the whatever puzzle of that particular scene and then just moving on to another scene. Some examples of scenes. Uh, I was in a burning house and there's a dude in there, so I had to figure out how to save him and maybe stop the house from burning. I I interacted with a dude and I think I just kicked him in his ass and knocked him out of the building and then I I just started drinking a bunch of water because there's nothing else there I was like okay let me interact with this water to maybe put the fire out and I took three swigs of water and I wasn't doing anything so the time there was also a time limit and I I had to think of something so I interacted with the fire and then I just pissed all over the building and I pissed so much that the, the house was Overflowing with piss. But the fire was out and I won that scene because you get graded on these scenes by percentages and various scenes within the scene. Within your like 20 to 30 second scene, there was a, a thing where I was on the shitter and I ate a grenade and I had to put the grenade back together within my stomach to fully complete. It's just a bunch of weird, random shit that is hard to explain and for me I think the only way to get enjoyment out of this game is if you are playing it with someone else watching or you know you'll have friends who are playing it at the same time who you can talk to the game about because it's just a bunch of random dumb shit and if you're the only one experiencing this random dumb shit. I don't think you're going to get anywhere near as much out of it as you would if you were experiencing it in some kind of communal aspect, whether it is again uh, for an audience, even an audience of one, or in some kind of you wouldn't call it a game club for this thing, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a weirdo. It's a weirdo game. Then the other highlight, other than Gunfire Reborn from this week, is Atari 50 The Anniversary Celebration. You've probably heard people talking about this already. This is the absolute best collection of games I've ever seen in terms of presenting you with a history behind everything, a timetable, a narrative type structure and that it's this sort of interactive documentary i think that's even how they put it where you can just go to the game library and play games directly you don't have to deal with the, the the history side of things if you don't want to but if you choose to follow the the main mode that the the history mode the documentary mode uh, whatever they call it or you want to call it it'll take you on this journey across the timeline broken into five specific chapters of key moments in Atari's life and as you're going across the timeline you'll get promotional flyers interviews archive footage game information and you'll be able to play these games as you're learning more about them stories about the development of them behind the scenes things etc and it's a great way of learning about the history of this specific company and I think anyone with a passing interest in history would just eat this up because it's so well done. And on top of that, there are so many games in here that it's kind of mind blowing. And I don't I don't know if any of the Atari collections in the past have had or have gone up to Jaguar, but you have Jaguar games in there, you have arcade games. And in addition to all the classic versions of the games, There are also 10 or so reimagined versions, which are fun. You have one for Breakout, which is the only one I I did play. But those are games that you could justify selling for 5 bucks on their own. For what you're getting, for $40, it's an incredible package. I am sure in some of the Atari collections in the past. There are games there that aren't included here. But in many ways, ignoring that, this just feels like it it makes every single collection that's come out prior obsolete. I want this treatment done for every... I, this is such a great bit of preservation in a way. That I I, I, I adore it. I think it is such a, a good package. And yeah, even like your mileage will vary with the games. I really like a lot of the old arcade games, and I like having those there. So being able to play Asteroids, getting to play Missile Command—that's good—and not this recharge bullshit was fantastic. It's just. It's great. It's great. It's fucking fantastic. Check it out. Then last two games I want to talk about. Super Chicken Jumper. This is an endless runner. That has a really strong opening. Cutscene. Whatever bit of story. Where you're this chicken. And the president. Who's an anime little girl. Is telling you all these things... They fucking come here And they, they're doing shit... And there's good music... Decent humor... And I was ready for it... I didn't know it was an endless runner... Then I'm thrown into the first level... And you gotta jump over barrels... You gotta get the timing very perfect... Or you will hit... Like whenever there are two barrels... You better get that timing right... Or you're gonna hit... Uh, knock one on, and have to restart the level... But the game ratchets up the difficulty so fast that I was struggling with the second level where you get this power up, you get one that turns you into a giant dude, you can just barrel over the barrels, then the second one is a negative power up, which turns you into some freaking fading in, fading out flickering chicken, that you just have to kind of basically see where you are in the world but you're invisible for most of the time, and, and then there are instances where The way, because while it is level-based, you know, you're going from level to level to level, the levels are randomly generated, so they're never the same. And the level could just randomly generate into an impossible situation where a bird is flying that you have to avoid, while you are have to avoid jumping over this barrel. And there's no way you would be able to jump over the barrel and avoid the bird. Like, you're going to hit one of them, and you're just fucked for that particular run. Of course, these are short levels, so... If you, if you die, you just restart it again. It just was horrible. I hated playing it. It's the worst. Don't play Super Chicken Jumper. It's not even good if you wanted some easy achievements. The last game I played is Finding the Soul Orb. Which is a first-person adventure game. With a story that I don't... Was, what a... This is a janky-ass game. The opening bit. I'm on this boat. i'm flying uh, i'm not flying i'm uh floating towards shore and i want to get out of the boat so i walk over and i think i'm gonna walk onto the dock but instead i just fall into the water and when i fall in the water there's no change there's no (laughs) filter that's going on i'm just it seems like i'm underneath the geometry in a way i shouldn't be and i'm just looking around like okay And then I'm trying to climb back up to get on the dock. And it won't let me. So then I guess I have to go walk over here to that shoreline. I get it on shore eventually. And then there are all these freaking little gold plates or whatever on the ground. You step on them. The screen gets like a a little mask on it. You get a bit of text, a bit of story. That's telling you about all this crap that's going on. You're like, "Eh, okay, whatever. I don't. This is weird. And you just keep walking. You keep walking. Eventually you get a crossbow. And then there are gargoyles gargoyles in all these areas that if you shoot them, they stop flapping their wings and you get achievements. But you'll also be fighting against these werewolf looking folks who are dumb as shit. I never had any of them aggro against me. And I just stayed far back. Takes two shots to kill them. And the animation is always the same. And you don't even have to hit them. This is very weird and loose with its hit detection. It just... It runs a bit poorly. It doesn't look all that great, and the story—if the story was interesting and engaging—I would remember it, but I don't. And it's just so fucking janky. It's kind of amusing watching the the werewolves always fall back in the same way. I don't know, it's just—it was—is not a good time so uh yeah speaking of not good times this podcast was definitely not a good time so i'm sorry you know it's just been it's been brain foggy central it's been a bit of a mess and uh i'm hoping that soon things will get better and back to normal but uh i appreciate you sticking in there uh sticking it out with me and uh here's to the future and all that jazz so uh that will do it no patreon questions because i changed the deadline i talked about on the last episode. It says it in the post. Read the fucking post. I don't care that I recorded this after Lunchbox. You asked your question. I don't care. I'm not i am not making a precedent that I freaking ignore the new rules I set in place. I set them in place because I want to be able to, in in cases... Uh, somebody just made one hell of a noise. Uh, so that I can record an episode early if I want to get one out early. And there have been many weeks where i wanted to record earlier but the only thing that was holding me from doing that was having to wait until the deadline for questions so that's why the question deadline is sunday just fucking get your question in the fucking really goddamn post people too bad baby uh but uh yeah that'll do it for this year episode of the pixelated Sausage show so uh once again I am Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you'd like to find all my links of import, you can do so over at Twitch. <laughs> Fucking hell. You can do so over at com slash PXS. And if you enjoy this podcast, I don't know how you do, but if you do, and you'd like to support, you know, if you like uh, the other stuff, do, I like a tag, the backlog or second runs or whatever, um, you can support me in my nonsense over at Patreon.com slash P-X-S that is again patreon.com slash P-X-S Uh, you know go there if you want to if not that's fine it's all good anywho that is it that is all as always thank you for watching or listening I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate if not I hope you have a wonderful Thursday I hope if you have been searching for deals or hoping that this or that goes on sale. That you find success and all that, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and and a lovely, lovely week. End. so for now, adios, a uh, riva bye.